The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's Tuesday night, and got two of my league mates from the Highlander Dynasty Invitational here with me. Got the itch from Razzball, got Chris Marr from Baseball Pods, and uh, this is just, it's a fun league to talk about. I think it's got the the funnest uh, constitution of any dynasty league I've ever played in. Um, big thanks to co-commish Brett Sayer for that, but um, thanks for joining me, guys. Um, I, you know, we just participated in our redistribution draft, which is one of several off-season drafts um and it's exactly what it sounds like it's the a couple players from each team in some cases um some cases more some cases less uh get drafted to a different team and get kind of poached off of another team's roster um and so we're going to talk about our sort of thought process our strategy uh, the players we got um I did just want to take a quick look back uh, last year just to kind of give people a sense of the, the caliber of players available here. Um, we've got, at this point, I think we've got close to like 200 players protected heading into this thing. And I went back and looked at last year's, um, it's it's two 20-pick rounds, so 40 total picks. Last year's redistribution draft, uh, in my opinion, I think the three best players all went outside the top 10 in that. Uh, Brandon Fott went 11th, Bryson Stott went 22nd, and Hassan Kim went 26th uh, out of 40 picks. Um, so that that's kind of the caliber of player we're, we're sort of hoping to land in this type of this type of exercise. Uh, the Highlanders draft, you you might have some more kind of high end players uh, to choose from, but um, you know we're we're trying to get those types of players on our roster here. Um, so. Chris, you protected uh, seven players um, in advance of this redistribution draft. You already had a, a handful of other keepers protected, but uh, Kodai Senga, Nolan Jones, Bailey Ober, Lovin, Tanner Scott, Chris McKenzie, and Edward Ruiz, who were seven most recent protected players. So Chris, like, you want to kind of give us sort of a rundown of where you can see your team heading into the Your frame of mind was when you get going to need, when you James, um, I still want to start over, but your audio totally quit on me. I don't know if it was just me or if Nick can hear. 
Nick, were you having issues as well? Yeah, yeah, oh. we couldn't we couldn't hear you at all. You kind of you kind of went into an echo chamber. Just at um, the end, just just with just when you were yeah, reading well, yeah, the yeah names, just just when you said uh, the, the when you started the name of my place. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it was uh, Cody Senga, Nolan Jones, Hassan Kim, Bailey Ober, Tanner Scott, Tristan McKenzie, and Kyber Ruiz were your seven protected players. Um. So I don't know if you if you uh, heard the whole question, but just, yeah. you know, kind of a lay of the land, like your, your thoughts heading into this redistribution draft. Well, so like the last two years, I finished kind of middle of the pack in the league and I felt like I needed to make a move. I was just going to stay there. I mean, you took the approach of like really drafting for the future and now your team's kind of on the come. Other people drafted for win now. And one of the things I don't like doing in a big dynasty league, especially is just treading water. So one of the moves I made before this was to trade you know, my first round pick from a couple of years ago, Jordan Alvarez, who is arguably the best hitter in baseball, but um, also someone who I'm a little bit worried about as he gets older um, in the dynasty league. And I just, I needed in this league, you need um, contributions across the board. So I kind of wanted to flatten out my town a little bit. And um, I moved Jordan for, uh, for Logan Webb and Kodai Senga and Haseon Kim and Davis Schneider. And um, so what you see here is like the results of that, um, you know, you stole Kyle Bradish from me, <laughs> you know, and that was, I, I figured I was going to lose Kyle Bradish or Nolan Jones, but now it's, now I've got like, I don't have a superstar, but I have a little bit more of a flat. I've, my keepers this year are much better in this round than they were last year because of that trade. So we'll see if it works. I'm, I'm, I'm I was finished, I think ninth last year, maybe. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to finish like in the top five and maybe even push to cash this year because I've got a bunch of players in my prime, many of whom you just mentioned. And, uh, you know, and also, by the way, my pitching was really terrible last year. So getting and I knew I was going to probably lose Bradish. So getting two like good starters like Webb and um, and Senga, I feel like put me in a really good place to 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 outperform at least where I was last year. So that what you heard is a lot of those guys are the result of that deal taking place yeah that was a blockbuster for sure um but I, I think it made sense i mean this this league is so unique um it's even you know i'm i'm one of the commissioners but i mean i didn't i didn't really have much to do with the rules but it's even taken me uh kind of a couple years to really think that i've really got a handle of like what i should be doing during the off season with with these drafts and and how i can be using them uh, best uh, to kind of improve my roster um, and I think that that's, you know, in your situation, getting quantity for quality makes sense because you have to protect a certain number of guys before this draft. So you want to make sure that talent base is, is as high as it can be. Uh, Itch, you have seven great guys that you protected most recently as well. Um, Camilo Duvall, uh, Josh Naylor, Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, TJ Friedel, Jeffrey Springs, Xavier Isaac, uh, Interesting that you got Sale, DeGrom, and Springs there. Um, three awesome, sometimes injured pitchers. Uh, what 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 are you kind of thinking about where your team's at and and your kind of uh, strategy? Obviously, I should should have mentioned actually earlier that Itch won the very first season of the the Highlander. So um, you know you don't have anything to prove in this league, of course. But uh, where where are things sort of standing right now, uh, or at least heading into the redistribution draft? 
So um, it's the first season was most redrafty, right? Like I just sort of played it like a redraft and sold future uh, picks. And, and so I was, and so year two was I, I, last year I got to pay the price and just watch everybody take players um, off my team and the, the double up penalty for winning the league. I hated it last year, but then this year watching it on um, Jesse's team. And uh, I think Shelly took Dustin May at the very end and to get that fourth player off of Jesse's team. Otherwise he was going to get through the draft without, you know, surrendering the maximum amount of players from his championship roster. And it like really does matter from the other angle, from the other side. It's like, you got to, it's the board game aspect of this league. It's more board gamey than any league I've ever played in that way. Like it just, this year I started to see it. <laughs> the lifespan is longer than I had previously thought of it as like, it has a longer tail if we could keep in it. Cause like seven, eight years in, people are still going to be trying out sort of new strategies, I think, because it's so complicated and, and, not complicated in a way you can't get eventually, but, but like it's the board games are tough. I don't know. Like I just the, the right amount of complication before my brain's just like, no, this is too much and shuts out. Like I want it to be intricate and difficult and this is that. And, and so I think it'll, I don't know. I think it might have a longer life than a typical league. And I wasn't previously thinking that I think, I do think there could be some commissioner burnout, um, maybe not just, it seems like a lot of work to manage it. Um, but as long as there's a bunch of people involved that, that helps and people could maybe take a turn at doing some of the like work. Yeah. I mean, big shout to uh reigning champ, Jesse Roach for, for doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting with the commissioner work, uh, so far, but yeah, I mean, we've got, you know, I'm a co-commish, Brett's a co-commish. So if, uh, Jesse ever needs a hand, uh, I'm sure somebody will step up, but um, I mean, it's, it's a fun league. I, I think people are, are really enjoying um, these drafts sort of sprinkled throughout the off season uh, just kind of makes it a bit more, uh, you know, interactive. Like you, I'm, I'm most of my dynasty leagues. I go months at a time without having to do anything. Um, maybe even months without talking to anyone else in the league. Um, so it's just, it's cool to have these, these moments throughout the off season, like the Highlander draft, like the redistribution draft. So um, let's get into that, that redistribution draft here. Um, well, actually I'll, I'll go ahead and just say who my, my keepers were um, first. Uh, so I, my, the seven guys I kept uh, ahead of the redistribution draft were Kyle Manzardo, Parker Meadows, Matt Wallner, Vaughn Grissom, Jose Barrios, Andres Munoz, and Cade Horton. Um, Meadows and Walner probably seem like a reach to, to some, but those are two guys I'm very high on uh, heading into uh, 2024. Um, and actually, yeah, before we get to this uh, quick itch, I was told by Jordan that because um, Jordan Rosenblum traded me uh, Starling Marte ahead of the redistribution draft, and he said, you know, if you want to get Xavier Isaac, you might be able to get Xavier Isaac straight up um, from the itch for, for Starling Marte. And I 
I didn't even reach out to you because I Marte just fit so perfectly with my roster from what I kind of needed with the the speed and the outfielder. Um, but I definitely have Xavier Isaac ranked way ahead of Starling Marte for a regular dynasty league. Um, so just quickly, would you have done that straight up here uh, if I'd offered you Marte for Isaac? I don't think so. I think he told. I think he thought Springs was what. I don't know. For some reason, you know, there's so many conversations. I have a lot of conversations yeah. with Jordan, so yeah, Jordan. I'm sure <laughs> that I said whatever he said. I said because he, I'm sure he has receipts because we have a lot of conversations. He's the most fun to have in a league. I think that way, like like he's crucial part of this league in terms yeah. of yeah. like he, he, that role that you're explaining right there. Like that's one of his powers in the league is he's this connective tissue. Like I'll take these players <laughs> with you and give them over to him. Like, there just aren't that many people who are willing to do that, which is a it's fun way to a, play a league, too. I don't know. It's kind of a full-time did. job rejecting his trades. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I get emails from students, and I get trade offers from Jordan. That's, like, what happens. No, that's not um, fair. I send him a lot of offers, too, because I know he's up for the, you know, whatever. Just yeah. fire him back and no, forth. Nobody responds faster with a counter. Like, he Joe, will find Jordan's a way. To, he's very... Um, I mean, any dynasty league would be lucky to have Jordan in it. Um, For sure. Okay, so let's get to the. James, I was just going to say one thing that I thought was interesting about Parker Meadows and Walner is like they're like this is not a normal dynasty league, and therefore prospects don't carry the same cachet they normally would. But mm-hmm. I think first of all, I'm very high on Meadows. Maybe I like Walner as well. Um, just in general, I, I don't understand why. Meadows isn't more highly rated by the fantasy community, but like proximity and playing time matter so much in this league. And you just, you can't stash like prospects that are 16, 17, 18 years old. You can, but they carry less value in this league with the way it's structured than they would in a traditional dynasty league. So I just, that's just something else I wanted to, to, to bring up. I think that's one of the reasons Meadows and Walner were great keepers is like Walner's not a prospect anymore, but they're players who are like they're they're going to play every day, and that's it's one of the reasons actually the that uh, I I made the deal for Jordan was it's a little bit of a risk, but getting David Schneider was not just a throw in. Like in this league, he he could actually be a big difference maker, whereas in other leagues he'd probably be a more of a fringe player. If he gets every day playing time for the Blue Jays, just getting those every day at bats can be really hard to find in this league. Yeah, that's a really good point, and that's applicable to the prospects we'll be discussing that go in, that went in the redistribution draft. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not just a normal league where you keep forty players or keep fifty players year to year, and you're obviously going to have a bunch of great prospects in those leagues. Like you're only, you don't necessarily know which guys you're going to be able to keep at each stage of everything. So, yeah, having those guys in the majors is is definitely key. And um, I definitely was sort of going after as many kind of guys that could break out at the big league level early in the season as I, as I could get. Um, okay. So first, first overall pick here, uh, Brett Sayer, uh, he took Dylan Cruz with the first pick in the Highlander draft and he gets Dylan Cruz's teammate, James Wood here with the first pick, um, stealing him from Jeff Ponce. Uh, I think Wood probably the highest, uh, consensus ranked prospect available for this draft. I I actually have Jet Williams ranked ahead of James Wood, um, just in terms of prospects available here and Masayo maybe as well, depending on the list you're looking at. Sure, yeah. I mean, so 
yeah, I think I think in any kind of like prospect ADP type of thing, you're going to see James Wood probably highest of all the available prospects. Um, what you know, maybe even more interesting than just breaking down James Wood. Did you guys have a player that you did you take the time to kind of put together a board before this, and did you have a player that you definitely thought was best available for your specific rosters? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, yeah, I did. Like I, I was saying, I, I sort of flashed it before. I don't know if the crowd at home can see the color-coded roster by roster, <laughs> breakdown of who's available but i didn't realize jesse was going to do a, a spreadsheet for us but so i wanted to be and so i sort of did the work across when i had minutes here or there um and then i made a list but i make it a living document so i like i'm cleaning it up as i go so i i i, I think i had him fourth or fifth james wood on my list but he was sort of who i was eyeing with the 10th pick i was thinking maybe just as we were saying about prospects and the high strikeouts I had sort of thought maybe maybe he'd fall and he was like I was scared to have him there because I wanted means I wanted a pitcher I took John Means 10th and and I just needed starting pitching um and I I don't know I mean I'm big into him this year that a lefty in Baltimore with that left field fence and just like a contact manage I mean he's like so perfect if you were to draw up like who's going to succeed in that park and then that team is, uh, you know, so ridiculously loaded and Rutschman is maybe the best. And, and I just feel like everything it points to. Uh, he's a free agent, I believe. I was looking at this. John Means, I believe, is a free agent after this year. So even if the smart money might say his in- innings are going to be limited, I might. I think he's 30 or 31. I think he might just throw as long as his arm will go. Anyway, yeah, I, I was I was interested in James Wood, but I I didn't. He's not a great fit for what I'm trying to do because I'm trying to win again this year. If I can get my pitchers to come back, like you said with Degrom and Sale and Springs, if I can get 
to them, like a relay race kind of situation, then, then I might have a shot. But, yeah, I was um, I was loving the way Means looked uh, when he when he came back last year. I know the the strikeouts weren't really there, but just watching him, I thought he just looked really in control. Uh, was a little scared about the that like little elbow thing at the end of the year, but um, I think I'm sort of back to being comfortable, kind of taking him where he's going. And uh, yeah, every everything you said about Means is is kind of why I was going after Bradish uh, in the Highlander from, from Chris. Um, and that's just a really awesome aspect of this league is that you can, I bet like 20 different managers, the kind of preference of who they wanted in this, in these drafts, it's just so different because like, you're like, I need pitching. And I was like, I'm going to take best catcher available. And it's just, everyone's coming at it from a different, different lens. Um, what, what were you kind of thinking, Chris, did you have a top guy on your board coming into this? Yeah. I had a grouping. I mean, I needed outfield help, but I wanted something, at, uh, and second base. And, um, so I probably would have taken Kerry Carpenter, Chris Clegg, uh, sniped me right before that pick, but I went with Brandon Drury. He's a little older, so not perfect, but He's underrated, I think. He's just got solid skills, too. He should get playing time galore, first base, second base eligibility. So if I'm trying to push in and try to see what I can do this year, I wanted an everyday bat. Um, I'm glad Smata took Basayo from me. I would have liked – that would have been a hard to pass up because I just think he could be debuting next year, and I think he's going to be great, and I think he's going to be catcher first base. They'll find a place to, to, to play him. Um, and I would have taken I, – I think I, think I would have had a Jet – First, if I was looking for a prospect, then Basayo and then Wood. I, I'm lower on Wood than the consensus. I'm willing to be wrong on it. I understand that the upside is through the roof. I'm just uh, – the way that the Nationals develop players, I have no faith in. So um, he just gets a little bit of – and he's got work to do to, to to realize that potential. So understand completely why Brett took him there. Um, but, um, but, yeah, you're right, James. I think it's interesting, like – different people are going to be looking for different things. And I was just really looking for everyday hitter kind of in his prime. Um, and I, I, I think the best pick of this whole uh, draft was what um, Nick brought up earlier, which was Shelly's pick of Dustin May. One of the things you think about is teams get closed off, right? So everybody except for the champion, once two players get taken from your team, you can't pick anyone else from that team. So you may have this big board. And I think that's what you were talking about, Nick, you got this big board and you're like, Oh, there's five players like James, you had like four or five players I would have been looking at with my second pick, but you got like closed off. And I was just like, dang. So now I, I'm down to like, I can only pick my, my pick with, with like three, I've got like six teams left with my final pick to pick before. And to find like Dustin May, who could actually be something really valuable down the road with the final pick, I thought was, uh, was a work of art. I thought that was the best pick of the draft. I thought it was definitely the best in terms of, um, getting the reaction from Jesse that I think we all wanted. That's just gravy. That's just the gravy that, that Shelly poured on the mashed potatoes. But, and there's like extra on top of that too, because she's coming in. It's her first draft in the league. I think she didn't, yeah. She, she it, it's a niche rule, you know, like it's, it's good on her to, to pick up that that's a thing that we're doing. I don't know. I'm sure somebody gave her a rundown, but it's like uh yeah, it was well done. Totally agree. My favorite pick of the draft by far. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that it was the 40th pick, too. Um, 
almost. Got oh, and he just taken Suarez from my team, I think, at 19. So I was I was almost going to get through with just one player taken. Such is the state of my roster. Like through no through no like real smart work on my part. Just that's where I'm at. But Jesse took Robert Suarez. Of the so then last uh, pick. picks. So so Brett goes James Wood. Um, that's really fun that he's got Cruz and Wood. Um, I mean, if those guys both hit, uh, that'd be be great for him. Uh, with the second and third pick, Smata takes Brandon Nimmo, and Kevin Hastings takes MJ Melendez. Uh, just two outfielders. Um, you know, you would think that Melendez is going to play pretty much every day. Um, I did not protect him. That Melendez was from my team. Um, you know, I, the projections are, are higher on Melendez, and I think people would, would probably guess based on his uh, 2023 season. My biggest concern with, like, I, I didn't feel like he was quite of the caliber guy I was looking to keep just because, um, you know, he's basically a DH at this point, but he's playing in the outfield, and I just don't know how long they're going to keep sacrificing defense there for what might be close to like a league average hitter. Um, but, you know, obviously de- decent amount of power, a little bit of speed from Melendez. And then uh, Brandon Nimmo just perennially underrated. This is not an OBP league, but uh, even so, you know, I think he's um, just a great player to have in, in most 20 team leagues. Um, you know, I think in this, this league where MLB playing time is prized as much as it is, you know, Nimmo's, Nimmo's a great number two overall pick. Um, either you guys have any thoughts on those two outfielders coming off the board? I've had Nimmo in this league um, in the first year that he's in a hundred outfielder. We have the double utility spot. Like, so it's a hundred outfielders a week plus whoever's playing utility with outfield eligibility and Nimmo is going to score a hundred runs, you know, ideally. And uh, yeah, that was a solid pick. And Melendez, I have learned, I believe he, Kevin, is a Royals fan. Not that that, uh, I don't know, I, I would I was eyeing Manoa. Not that I would have maybe jumped Manoa up on your team, but if we're going to talk trade at some point, I was willing, I'm willing to take the risk on Manoa. But uh, anyway, no, I, I just I just wasn't really thinking about Melendez from your roster. Like, like uh, there's a Kerry Carpenter. Anyway, I'm, yeah. I, I was, I did not... I did not know who was going to get picked from my roster. I was hoping that no one would take uh, Luis Severino. Um, Manoa is uh, – that's funny. I was – I think Manoa is m- maybe my most watched uh, Instagram uh, feed, like when he comes <laughs> up – like when his stories come up. Like, like whenever I open Instagram, like Manoa's stories are like first up for me because I'm just – I'm monitoring the offseason. I'm keeping tabs on what he's doing. Um, I know he recently got married, but he's back at it. He's he's throwing uh, bullpens. He's working out. So um, definitely keeping tabs on Manoa and uh, did not lose it there. Certainly one yeah. of the more entertaining pitchers to watch, especially when he when he's on or when he's <laughs> off. But in terms of Melendez, I mean, hell, if the Royals had three major league regular outfielders, I think they'd be happy. Instead, they seem to have like nine part-time outfielders. So I feel like Melendez, maybe there's something else there. Um I haven't figured him out as a hitter, uh, to be honest. Like I, he was, he was worse than I thought he would be. And then once I'd kind of written him off, he was some of his underlying metrics look better than I thought they would, which is I think what's driving some of those projections. So, you know, 
like I said, but literally every day at bats that don't kill you in this league are going to help you win a championship. So both great picks. Well, Nimmo was a great pick. I thought Melendez was a fine pick, and maybe Kevin knows more about um more yeah. more about him than we do. Yeah, yeah. I, Drew Saylor, their hitting coordinator, who has had a lot of success for the Royals. Okay, yeah, I mean that's yeah. I mean i I need to sort of figure out kind of what the uh, GM quotes and manager quotes are um, with that outfield. Cause that's a, it's a great point, Chris. Um, like I, I love drew waters this year. Um, he was kind of like a, a backup option with my second pick. Um, and I, I hope they play him, but like you said, there's, they've got just a bunch of guys who are sort of you guys, you'd want as your third outfielder, maybe your fourth outfielder. And they've, they don't really have anyone who um, is, is better than that. Uh the fourth overall pick, Smata took uh, Samuel Basayo, uh, aforementioned, uh, closing out Jeff. Jeff was the first team to get closed out, uh, loses James Wood and, and Basayo in the first four picks. Um, Chris, I know you you were kind of talking about Basayo um, earlier. Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, just a – he's a challenging guy for me to rank um, just because I don't think – on this team, I don't, I don't really see a path to like him being a 600 plus plate appearance guy. Um, but I, you know, I think if he's 500 plate appearances, he's, he's still probably like a top 15 fantasy catcher, maybe top 10. Um, but are you, I mean, cause my fear is that Kobe Mayo is, is even better and he's going to be the first baseman. Um, and then they've still got these, kind of veteran guys that need to DH a little bit. Heston Kirstead fits best at DH as well. Um, but, I mean, are you are you sort of thinking like a, a trade, maybe knock something loose there, or just Besayo's even better than Mayo? they got to trade at some point, right? I mean, hell, even Joey Ortiz is, might be a, regu- a MLB regular shortstop, and, he, you know, he's like probably fourth on their depth chart there. It's like they have to they have to shake this loose, I think, at some point. It's been a really slow – off season and uh but I'm hoping that the the Baltimore does. I mean Connor Norby's a guy that we'll talk about a later a little bit later. Another great bat. They've all these bats in the minors that are probably you would at least want to see if they're gonna be regular major league hitters, just losing value. So Basayo isn't there yet. He's a year year, you know, probably at least a year away. But um I just feel like there should be a role between catcher, first base and DH for his bat, assuming that it's as good as I think it is. Some of these guys, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was asking if you had any Basayo thoughts. Oh, like some of these guys, um, like I I try to get as good a well, as good a visual look as you can through, and it's so much better now than it's ever been through you know, jumping to game feeds. I was thinking of Dyron Blanco when you were talking about the Royals because I've seen him a few times (laughs) at like field level in in triple A and at high. And it's like he looks so good at field level. Like they, I feel like they should give Tyrone Blanco a chance. The Royals, but uh, Basayo is like a jaw dropping, in my opinion, hitter. Like it's like a, I think you just let go of catching. Like I, I don't know, like, like maybe he can still do it once in a, once in a while, but just like for the purposes of where he's at in their org. I don't know. There's a Jordan feel. I'm getting like a Jordan. Feel from just like the this his bat is incredible. Like it's so quick and it just looks so easy. And uh I don't know. I get like little chills 
watching him hit sometimes like this dude is gonna hurt people and I, and I used to think like it's gonna be uh, they're gonna try to keep him a catcher and it's the Orioles too so they'll you know they'll he may be three or four years from now before we see him and he's just destroying triple a you know but but you never know what they're gonna do I, I do think he's a superior hitter to like everyone else they got um you think he's better than what's up better than mayo i think he's better than mayo i think he's better than kirsten uh, i think he's just gonna be a better hitter than all those guys but i, I mean i really like mayo too it's just that i just think he's special and uh, well that's yeah that's high praise and uh, uh yeah. i don't even know him that high i i, I would i think i've got baseo like 23rd in terms of like when i look at my personal prospect rankings and mayo's 14th and that includes yamamoto ahead of him um so i i do i think mayo is part of the reason is because i think he's got a little bit more defensive versatility than Basayo has oh, so, for sure. so you know more guarantee to, to your point james i think he's get, gonna he's got a quicker path to more more at bat regular bats but i Masayo's he's got a sexy swing. I mean, it is it is fun. I have I have ahead of Salas personally uh, in the battle of the breakout twenty twenty three catchers. Well, don't yeah, be careful how loudly you broadcast that because uh, Sal- Salas is like one of those. Salas is probably like a top three prospect of like I get just like hate tweets when he's not uh, ranked as high as people want to see him ranked. Um, okay, so. Uh, Jeff takes Lourdes Gurriel, fifth overall, takes him from Eddie. Uh, they thought it was great for uh, Lourdes's value that he's uh, back with the D-backs, just kind of eases any kind of concerns about the role, the fit. Um, thought that was a really solid everyday player who slots in an outfield. Um, I don't know. It's a very Highlander pick. 100 yeah. outfielders. Yeah. Like In this league, that dude has quite a bit of value. And a good reminder to all of us, like just no one has arguably ever had a worse season than he had in 2022. I mean, it was just disgusting. And just, you know, sometimes I think you have to remember, like when we look at these players who do have some kind of a track record, that he was free last year and provided value in pretty much, you know, almost any league you were going to draft him in for sure. So I think it's just, this is, he, he's like one of those reminders of, you know, whoever, whatever the whoever the worst possible year, if they have shown talent in the past, it's in there, and it's it's worth worth t- especially in these in draft champion season and in best ball season. Those are the types of guys that I'm targeting. I'm trying to think of. I'm not. I'm doing a terrible job podcasting. My, I can't think of it at the top of my head. My guy for my guy for that is uh, Jose Abreu. I think uh, I think Jose Abreu is going to have sure. a really big year. Um, first year with a new team, and and he hit. I think he hit like eight homers in his last uh, month, basically last year, seven homers, something like that. And, the, and then he had that massive stretch where I think he was playing through something and he like went months without a homer. So um, Jose Brady's my pick for that. But um, I, I think, I think story's got a chance to be at this year in Boston. He'd be someone I'd be looking at who was just, you, you know, these are human beings. Something goes wrong. They lose the season. I'm hoping that Kyle Manzardo is the prospect version of that. Well, I, I'm hoping as well. He's my, he's my uh, first baseman of the future on my spreadsheets here, at least. Um, okay, so then Drew Wheeler takes Charlie Morton sixth overall, um, and this at this point, like, 
you know, I, like I traded for Jose Barrios as a keeper before this. Like I just, and like I just said, I was worried someone might steal Luis Severino. Like that's the caliber of pitcher we're, we're looking at here. So Charlie Morton goes and itch was saying like John means was, was the pitcher he had circled. So yeah, I mean, I think in with that context, nothing wrong with going with the guy who starts for Atlanta. Um, even though the, you know, the end is near with Morton, but it's not, not quite here yet. Um, and then I took uh, Gabriel Moreno with the seventh overall pick. Uh, he was the top guy on my board. Like I, like I've been using these drafts basically to just fill needs. Um, and I catcher, I thought was my weakest position. Um, I had Danny Jansen, but um, I'm just, just kind of sick of the uh, playing time limitations there. And, I think Gabriel Moreno seventh in a dynasty league like this behind some of the guys we mentioned is, is a pretty good, uh, good value. But I, I also think it speaks to the depth of catcher that, you know, like none of the teams that already had a catcher that they liked are going to take Gabriel Moreno to plug into their util spot um, here. So uh, I don't know. Either you guys have any thoughts on Moreno? I like Moreno. He's been, he's, it's been an interesting, another interesting kind of prospect to develop. I, I'm curious, James, one of the guys I always compare him with um, right now is who I ended up keeping going into this is Cabert Ruiz. They're, they're both kind of like, I feel like they're both young catchers with high floors um, and maybe not high ceilings, but just should amass playing time and have some power, not kill your batting average type of players. I think I, I like Kybert's, uh Power upside a little bit more than Marino's, but I feel like Marino probably might have the batting average. Um, yeah, I, I love Kybert, uh, and I like if Marino was not available and Kybert Ruiz was available, I would have taken Ruiz with the seventh pick there. Um, and I do think Ruiz is a value in in redraft right now because he's going, uh, he's going like two rounds after Marino. Um, yeah, and I. I think you're. I think it's a good comparison. I think they're both uh, high floor guys. Uh, don't really know where the power settles with Moreno, but um, yeah, I think that's a pretty fair comp. Um, then uh, Chris Clegg takes Kerry Carpenter, uh, closes me out. Um, I know Chris, you said you were you were eyeing him up. I I kind of pivoted. I originally was planning on keeping Carpenter, uh, and then I traded for uh, Parker Meadows from Jesse. I traded uh, Mead, Curtis Mead for Parker Meadows. And, you know, I, I, I figured if I didn't keep one of those guys, I, I assumed Carpenter was going to get poached. Um, but I just, I think he's got a, a lower ceiling than uh, Parker Meadows. And I think just the defensive gap there, like if I want to, designate one of these guys as a keeper um when we have to announce our first uh designations in season this year i'd i'd be more likely to keep a guy that's a, a premium defensive center fielder like meadows than a guy who probably fits best at dh uh, like carpenter but i think he's he's really safe as long as the playing time's there 
Yeah, just think about those three. I mean, you throw in also like Riley Green and like you're starting to see a Tigers team that's starting to come together. I think it's a roster to keep your eye on, um, you know, as Colt Keith makes its way on it. Torkelson has kind of established himself. And they've got, you know, Henry Malloy and, and you know, Max Clark and others coming. Just a little bit of a – I, I think um, I think it's a team we've been kind of – the ballpark's not great. There's no getting away from that for hitters. But I do think it's an interesting team to start looking at because I think some of the counting stats could be ticking up in the coming years. Yeah, I really like Carpenter. I, I Again, I do think – I don't know. I still think I might have taken Manoa over Carpenter off your just, – just from – you know, I mean, he was – you couldn't have traded for him last year. Like, I, I think you'd have just probably sh- well, he, shut it he down. Was, I think he was one of my three keepers last year, one of, one of my three franchise players last year. Um, yeah, so yeah, like in most dynasty leagues, if you wanted to trade for him, I don't even know how you get into the conversation because the person who has him is probably looking to shut the conversation down as quickly as possible. And so I was thinking this is the, this is the chance, you know, this is what this league's all about. You know, but and and Carpenter and Melendez are both such like, you know, they're not the hardest pieces to lose. Power, a power corner bat without, um, like you said, I do really like Carpenter though. Like I do think he can really hit, but I also think it's going to be a battle because they've got so many pieces and they have taken their time sorting through these pieces. Like they they could have been Justin Henry Malloy could have been up last year like they could have been looking at some of this stuff but they just yeah. are taking their time i don't know i i assume malloy is just a absolute statue um because i yeah that's the only reasoning i can see for why he didn't come up at some point last year but um that is the problem with their them trying to sort out that roster is they have like four of these guys that ideally you'd just be DHing or you know, like Colt Keith. I mean, Parker Meadows has been a better defender than I think, you know, the scouting report on him before he debuted would have been, but they just have, they have a few guys where it's like, you know, there's only room for one DH. Um, But yeah, a lot of, a lot of talented hitters. Um, And then uh, Brandon Drury, uh, Chris's pick. I think the, you absolutely nailed it. Like with the, the playing time, and the lineup placement, I, I don't think people realize how bad, or most people realize maybe, but some people might not realize how bad the Angels are going to be this year. Um, but, they, I mean, they, they're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball, and that's going to help Drury in terms of he's just going to hit, like, third maybe all year. Uh, might even just hit behind Mike Trout. Um, and then the uh, the biggest thing really with him besides the playing time is that one B two B eligibility. I mean, that's just the, that's kind of like the dream. If you could just have two positions going corner middle, just, just great uh, eligibility there for Drury. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add on that pick, Chris? You summed it up well. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then itch, we, we kind of discussed means, um, the contract year part's a, a good thing to mention there too, um, and just just because you know he's going to want to show what he can do, and they're not necessarily going to feel the need to be that protective of him uh, unless they are planning to. It's a cold world, you know. <laughs> like Baltimore, <laughs> like our our relationship might be over after this year, so we were maybe in the playoff push, and 
I don't know. Like you worry about, especially a team like Baltimore getting finicky with 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 innings counts for an injured pitcher. But I'm just not because I don't know. I I just don't see a world where they pay him any money. He's going to be a free agent. I just they are they really gonna no matter what he does. I just can't imagine that they're even going to be in the the contention to get him back because that's just not how that front office operates. Maybe I mean they bought Kimbrel for what thirteen million, but we aren't talking about thirteen million. Like if John Means stays healthy, he's going to be a hundred million dollar pitcher or you know something like that. Right. Um, if he's good enough that they would want to bring him back, he'll be more expensive than they want him to that's be. Probably the, yeah, that's really well said. <laughs> um, he's in the catch twenty two, you know, and so he's just pitching for free agent money. But then they'll also have you know want to win. You know, you want to win. But. I mean, I I think they're, I think they could win the World Series. You know, I mean, they're yeah loaded. Um, they could, they're the deepest team probably in the in the league, and they've got the most trade without it affecting the big league product. So, um, and I I love Kimbrel there. I think that's just a match made in heaven. Um, so this was funny. Speaking of closers, like Eric Cross takes Kenley Jansen here, uh, closes out Akeem uh, with the eleventh pick. And uh, I, th- I think um, he had two of his closers uh, poached, right? Or, or no, he, he lost Paul Seawald, um, but he was hoping to get Jansen and then not have Seawald poached. Um, so I don't know if he would have preferred to just take Seawald over Jansen and knowing that he wasn't going to be able to keep Jansen. But, um, try to get cute. Try to get cute. He, 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 and he said that in the, the league chat. Yeah, yeah. Tried to get cute. I got, I got, I got. Hopefully, lucky. Although there's a raging debate on fantasy baseball Twitter right now, or about it, or Twitter, because um, uh, I have a Robert Stevenson, and I didn't protect him. And if this draft was held, probably oh, this man. week, I doubt wow. I'd, I doubt I'd still have Stevenson. Although whether or not he's the closer or not is a uh, is being furiously um, debated on the. On, on I, a, I saw, I saw my guy Maddie would. Uh, screenshotting the the player shares there um oh yeah gotta be careful man uh i I hope that works out for you but um uh i gotta go a little faster with these um logan ohapi to or uh, to michael waterloo at 12 ohapi was my second option like if if moreno wasn't there i was taking ohapi um i think he's you know, a lot of the same things we said about jury apply to Hoppy. I think he's just going to play a ton and he's going to hit 25 homers. And I think that's going to be a solid pick. Um, then Seawald goes, like we said, to, to Ken at 13. Um, and, you know, closers in this league, like I protected uh, Andres Munoz. Um, Itch protected Camila Duvall. Uh, Chris protected Tanner Scott. So, you know, that caliber of closer was, was getting – protected before this draft so um guys like jansen seawald were, were the best of the bunch um from the closers available there um jet williams any any of you guys have have any thoughts on jet uh i don't i i don't think i would have taken him um just because of this specific league and the fact that i've just got too many middle infielders as it is but um any of you guys had anything to say about jet williams who went 14th to alex sanchez I totally agree with you. Just he's not coming up this year, probably. And I am trying to win this year. And I, you know, it feels like the kind of thing you're just daring somebody to take him from you a little bit. 
you take yeah, it. I, was, uh, um, I guess if it just depends if Alex is building, starting to build for the future and maybe just throwing together a bunch of young picks to see what sticks, it makes sense. But definitely didn't. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even remotely on my board. So then Jose Alvarado goes 15th. Um, you know, that one uh, that to, to Eddie Almaguer um, from his own team, um, that's apparently a, an Eddie move to to protect his own players in these drafts. But uh, he likes his guys. Yeah, I mean, Alvarado, like, uh, talked about him a, a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, the, the strikeouts, you know, he could be like a top five reliever in strikeouts if he stays healthy all season, but he doesn't usually stay healthy all season. Um and then, you know, I don't know, for saves, I'd probably take the under on 20 from Alvarado, but probably over 10. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's the be- he was the best for me at this point. Like you, you pointed out, almost all the closes are kept. So at this point, if you needed saves, I think it's, a you know, like you said, maybe you get 20 saves out of him. There's not, then, there's not, there, there's not a lot else out there. Um, and then Smata uh, takes Hurston Waldrop. At 16th, uh, I know I know Samada's a a Waldrop guy, as am I. Um, you know they, I know they were in dire straits towards the end of the last year, where there were rumors they might bring Waldrop up. Um, but I do think they've done a pretty good job of uh, building out that that rotation at, at least heading into to spring training um, with the sale trade. Uh, so I I doubt we see Waldrop super early, but. I think he probably debuts this year if he can uh, keep the walks in check. He's uh, in a and Smart is in a cycle too. He took Basayo there and a, like like with uh, Alex Sanchez. They're good picks for that because you want guys that other people are going to want to take from you in that cycle because then you can protect your other guys who you know hopefully you're going to create more booms than they can take away from you. And I think Waldrop is a good pick for for that. But I wouldn't eye him really. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, I mean, it just depends where you're at in the draft specifically. Like I was nowhere near this pick. Um, Drew yeah. Wheeler picking 17th. Um, Drew Wheeler actually picking 17th and 19th. He grabs Eugenio Suarez and J.P. Crawford. Um, just you know, kind of like we were. These guys aren't outfielders, but like we were saying with like Lourdes Gurriel. Um, like these guys are going to basically play every day. Crawford definitely going to play every day. Um, I like the change of scenery for, for Suarez. I think just, you know, I, I don't know if, how much is left in the tank there, but at least getting him out of the, the park in Seattle can't, can't hurt. And uh, does seem like the, the Diamondbacks have a pretty good idea what they're doing. Um, and then JP Crawford, I guess, you know, do you believe, He's a 20 homer guy, 15 homer guy after last year's relative power breakout. Um, in this league, it, you know, it's going to be great because he's going to play every day. Um, and, and he's going to give you a batting average floor. And, you know, it wasn't just a fluke, right? I mean, he made intentional sw- changes to his swing and to get to pull more balls out and hit more out. And it worked. I mean, uh, Dave McDonald and, uh, and Jake, uh, were, we're talking Hollister. about this on, uh, on yeah, Hollister. We're talking the, the dust mite. We're talking about this on uh, on the Rotosaurus uh, podcast. And hey, like 
believe that some people when they're going to driveline make changes that work i mean these kids these people aren't doing it it's not that everybody goes and it's become kind of a punchline oh he went to driveline best shape of his life but it actually works for a lot of people that's why they're doing it they're professional athletes they're taking this seriously and jp crawford made a change and i'd bet on i'd bet between 15 to 20 james <laughs> for overs i yeah i think that's that's the range um and then Sandwich in between those Wheeler picks, Samad, I got another young guy, Jacob Mizorowski. Um, just a ton of uh, fearsome stuff there um, from Waldrop and Mizorowski and picks that were um, separated by Eugenio Suarez. Is, is he a starter, James? He's your, he's your team. Uh, they're they're going to just – I think they're going to do the uh, exact same thing with him that they did with, like, Burns and Woodruff back in the day. Awesome. I think he's just uh, – I think he pitches out of the bullpen late this season um, if he's healthy and if there's any reason to have him up. Uh, and then he would compete for a rotation spot next spring um, would be how I would see it play out. Although Waldrop and Mizorowski both, uh, ridiculous stuff. You know, one of the best sliders in the minors, one of the best change-ups in the minors in Waldrop. Um Mizorowski with the slider, but they, they got to throw strikes. You know, it's still I'm, I'm, I'm much lower on Mizorowski and Big Miz, they call him, than, than, than the field just because the, the the bullpen risk and the strike throwing. It just it's it seems like a challenge to me. But I wasn't sure. I want to get your take on him because I'm definitely an outlier on, on, on where I am with them. But you can see, I think, here Smata rebuilding clearly with use. And then Shelley closes out the first round with uh, what I thought was a Great pick and Will Benson. Um, Will Benson was first on my board at this point for my second pick, which was due up in uh, seven picks after this. So, you know, Benson, he's not going to play as much as guys like Nimmo and Guriel and maybe even Melendez. But I think he's got a higher, he's got a higher ceiling to dream on, I think, than those guys. And even if he's strong side platoon, um, just the raw power and speed in the park, uh, pretty appealing to me in, in this type of league. Yeah, he's going to make that park look really small a lot. And yeah, I mean, you said that was, it was, whose pick was that? Shelly? Yeah, right on. I think she's a Reds fan, or at least. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even, um, Make that connection, but so that's a little uh, extra treat always, you know. You can get yeah. the high upside dude that you're going to watch a lot. I thought I I thought about Benson, my pick, or my first pick. I mean, he was in the consideration for me, just given his age, what he's done. Um, I went with a little bit of a higher floor, I think. But so and that feels up. like breakout city. Like whatever has gone on with the recent everything with the baseball. And global climate change, and who knows what all. But Cincinnati is where you want your hitters. Um, obviously, I mean, it, I mean, I'm saying it, the most obvious it, thing in the world, but it seems more extreme than it's ever been. Well, they and they, but they kind of um, are messing with us fantasy players by having like so many hitters. Yeah, one, one and a half too many guys. So, like, yeah, we all know we all know that we want Reds hitters, and you just want to make sure you don't get the guy that isn't getting the full time job. But I think with Benson, it's just kind of cut and dry. He's going to strong side platoon, and yeah. maybe he plays his way into a full time role. But um, 
I mean, in terms of big leaguers with like kind of pre-prime big leaguers with those types of tools, he does seem pretty unique in this draft. Um, you know, yeah. the guys that have those type of tools are usually prospects at this stage of things. So uh, I thought that was a good pick at 20. Um, then, uh, you know, we got Colton Cowser goes 21 uh, to Brett. Um, Brady House, 22 to, to Alex Sanchez. Josh Bell, 23 to Kevin Hastings. Um, Chris Far- Farges takes uh, J.D. Martinez at 24. Uh, Jeff takes Brendan Donovan at 25. I'd love to see that Jeff's back in on Donovan, um, going back to the well there. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on on Cowser, House, Bell, J.D., or, or Donovan? This wish J.D. Martinez would sign somewhere. Uh, he's, I looked at – I was tweeting about it earlier today. I think there's like 23 to 25 fantasy-relevant players that have not signed, in, a, in, a, in let alone the impact that's having on other players that we have – that we that, are, that we're drafting. It just feels like early drafting seasons uh, more dangerous than ever this year. But all those no, – all, all those were solid picks for uh, – my, my concern with Kowser is just, you know, once again – kind of like the forecasting where the Orioles are going to be, where the Reds are now with Benson. It's like, how much playing time is he going to get? Where is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, the JD thing, I, I assume he gets everyday plate appearances. Uh, he was awesome to have last year. Um, would have loved to see him back with the Dodgers, but we know that's not happening. Uh then 26, got Connor Norby uh, to Alex Sanchez, another Oriole. Um, is that the third Oriole prospect, basically? Yeah. Um, three three hitting prospects in John Means so far for the Orioles. Um, and then my uh, second and final pick, Leody Tavares, closing out Clegg. Uh, this was just, to me, best – I wanted best outfielder available here um, because I got MJ Melendez and Kerry Carpenter poached. So I just had two outfield spots to kind of make up. And that was my kind of thinking was with my second pick. If I lost pitching, I would take a pitcher. And if I lost outfielders, I'd take an outfielder and um, probably for the best because the pitching was really kind of drying up. Um, But I, I think, Tavares, you know, he's not he's not gonna go he's not gonna hit twenty five homers or steal thirty bases, but I think he's just solid. Um and then uh Chris Clegg takes Brooks Lee. Uh Chris, you took Christopher Sanchez. Uh Sanchez would have been my pick if I had opted to go starting pitcher. I think, you know, I think he just was really, really good. Um down the stretch last year and it's you know i know he doesn't have the most uh kind of prospect pedigree per se but um you know he's been a guy that prospector like i've been following sanchez for a while and uh you know what he showed with the the weak contact and the strike throwing i mean there'll be some regression there but uh, i thought sanchez at this stage of things uh really nice starting pitching option to go with yeah, I was really – I needed pitching. I was ecstatic to get him there. Um, 
and uh, he's he's showing up on a lot of Ryan Bloomfield's bloom boards this off season. He's got a lot of I I I don't I think there's a I do like him more than I liked Ranger Suarez coming out of his breakout, but there is a little bit of that worry in the back of my mind, given that he kind of not that he came out of nowhere, but he certainly exceeded expectations. I'll be honest with you, I'm definitely sitting on the fence with him. I have traded him away in a couple of other dynasty leagues, and this was like and this was like, well, I have to have some Sanchez in case it does go well. So I was really happy to get him here. Yeah, I thought that was a really good pick. Like, I mean, I was I was eyeing Sanchez there. Yeah, I, I do think he was the best innings left on the board. And you're looking for wins. I mean, it's it's a cutthroat win situation, too, with the 20 teams. And we're running out five, six, seven starters a week. And you need those you – need, you need starters on good teams. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, if all he really has to do is just be good enough to, like, keep his job, you know. And yeah. that's, it's a decent pick. For real. Yeah. Um, and I think there's there's room for him to be better than that, but like yeah, you know you don't. I don't think you're trying to hit a home run with this pick, Chris. I think it just no. He's he's my he's my fifth starter. I've got Webb, Senga, Bailey, Ober, Tristan McKenzie, and then so I needed a good I wanted a good number five starter. So it feels like that he fits the bill perfectly for that. So the, when I was looking into him, this is what I had seen is that he just he his changeup usage went up about twelve percent, and his changeup is untouchable like a 274 slug in 477 pitches and a 40.6% strikeout rate. Like he just started throwing this change up all the time and uh, nobody could touch it. And so, I mean, if he can just keep doing that, I don't see why. Yeah, 97th percentile chase rate in the league just as people swung over the top of that thing. Um, and then you took his teammate uh, – with the very next pick, Johan Rojas, um, I I was actually just I just wrapped up a dynasty startup draft that I'm co-managing with a buddy, and and he was pushing for Rojas a little harder than I was. Um, I I mean the defense is fantastic, the speed's fantastic. Why don't you kind of talk about what you see with Rojas? Well, I, I think. Um he's one of the tougher evals for fantasy because he, he didn't really seize that role in an everyday way until really late. And they jumped him straight over straight over triple a. And I don't even, I'm, I don't know that he even had that many games in double a. Um, yeah. He had, well, he had 136 games in double a across two years and then they jumped him over triple a and the, the strikeout rates were always good all the way up. And I just feel like he's played mostly young and have just been trying to keep up. And this will be his first chance. And even this offseason, um, there have been several different quotes about, you, like I'm on his fangrass page right now, and said Rojas will have to earn the everyday center field job next spring. There's a quote from a month later from Dombrowski saying it's actually his job right now. That was never mind what I said. And so – it's like, um, I don't know, he's just in a really interesting situation. Um, he stole 44 bases last year across both levels, and I know the stolen bases are devalued. It's just he managed a 109 WRC+, plus, hit 302 in 164 plate appearances as a rookie who was just trying to keep up in the jump from double-A right into a pennant chase and i just i think his numbers sort of somehow 
don't matter in the eval. Like he's, I, I don't know. He's just a really interesting case in my opinion. And I, I didn't really love the pick. I, I was sort of settled on Sanchez actually, but I wanted to take, I wanted to make sure Jesse got three, four, you know, and I, I really like Rojas. It's part of it is I've always loved speed. I, I like to just make sure I have enough steals. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a compelling case. Um, I remember, I think a, a year or over a year ago, maybe I, I think I probably read too much into his uh, lefty righty splits in the minors. Like he just absolutely mashes lefties and uh, struggles or had struggled against righties. But I, I think I remember last year he kind of uh, improved that a uh, decent amount. And yeah, I mean, I, I, did, I don't know if Dave thought he was getting a center fielder this winter or not, but, uh, you know, he pretty yeah, much just had to beat out Christian Pache. Uh, I don't know, like Jake Cave, Christian Pache. I, I think he could beat those guys out. If he can, it was a bad pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Eric Cross takes John Gray, just, you know, another innings eater. Uh, Alex Sanchez goes young again, gets Spencer Jones. Um, Ken uh, took Brandon Woodruff. Um, you know, just – and then, you know, there was actually – before my second pick, before I took Tavares, I think I, I mentioned – I was uh, texting with Smata, and I was like, I'm, I'm glad I – I'm glad Felix Bautista was not even available for that pick, so I didn't have to consider him. Um, but like, because I think the team that had Felix Bautista got closed off. Um, but like, per my rankings, Felix Bautista would have definitely been the best player available. Um, but then another injured pitcher, Brandon Woodruff, goes. Um, so I mean, that's that's kind of your options, and you, you can shop in the sort of John Gray's section, or you can sort of take a big swing and, and stash a guy like Brandon Woodruff and, and see how that plays out. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised, uh, Chris, that Alex Verdugo lasted as long as he did. You got him at pick 34 here. Yep. Uh, I've never really been a Verdugo guy, but, I mean, if he – if if ever there's a league for him, it's it's this type of league. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, and I have hated him, although it looks a lot better. And I hate I hate the as – a, as a proud beard wearer, I also hate the Yankees, the way they force people to shave, but – he does unequivocally look a lot better in the Bronx than he did in Fenway. And the thing is he might lead off like there's against righties anyway. I mean, that's, a, there's a, they don't have an obvious leadoff hitter. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, even if he's just an accumulator that doesn't hurt my batting average at this phase, I'm ecstatic. And I traded for an extra, uh, I traded, like, I think I traded um, Marcus Stroman and Ryan Noda for this pick from uh, with Jordan. It was a little bit of a gamble, um, Noda, I, I like him, but I just think he's going to be a batting average drag, and I didn't uh, necessarily need him. And Stroman, um, I, I like as well, but um, I, I, I like Sanchez more. So I was, I, it worked out. I was able to get like a bit of a of a, um, a starting pitcher because you know, you know, Sanchez being much younger than Stroman in terms of dynasty, a more valuable pitcher, and then. I was ecstatic that Verdugo was still there. I don't know. I think people just don't like him because he's kind of a jerk, so no one drafts him. And he doesn't really do anything that makes you happy. But in this league, 100 outfielders, yeah, he'll do the job. I, I, hope he I think the reason people don't 
draft him is because he's like his career high in homers is thirteen, but um, <laughs> but, but it could be so it could be part of it, James. And and but his, he wasn't run either. No, well, yeah, I mean he he's good for like four steals, four to four to five steals, but um, yeah, I mean he's just he's gone up over seventy five runs three straight years. Um, he's basically he's a career two eighty one hitter. So he's not, you know, he's he's good at some stuff, and the Yankees don't have a don't have many lefties, and they, yeah. I don't think they brought him in to to not play him. So no, he's also he's also you know as the Yankees try to I think become less one dimensional in terms of the approach at the plate, the exact type of hitter that he's like the guy they wanted, you know, they want DJ LeMahieu kind of to be, um, you know, and maybe maybe he'll maybe he'll find some power in that stadium, uh, but he's a knucklehead. He's a knucklehead, so uh, we'll see what happens. I think he's a good bet for that LeMahieu bump of just a bunch of cheap homers to right center field. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's a knucklehead. I, I think he's 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 got tattoos that that people might associate with with knuckleheads, but um, I, 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 up in Boston, he just seems to always uh, say the wrong thing to to people. So I'm in the New England area. So, I mean, he, he did, I think he took a bunch of shots and made John Papelbon angry, which I loved. I have to be honest. That made me very happy because I can't stand Papelbon, but I don't, he, he see, he's never gotten in trouble. I guess you're right, James, like in any kind of uh, a serious way, but he, he just, he just never seems like he's all the way into the game. Um, Yeah. I mean, no arguments, no arguments here. Um, so then the the final six picks, Chris Clegg takes Max Meyer, Jeff takes Orlando Arcia, Akeem takes Mitch Garver, uh, Chris Fargis took uh, Marcus Stroman, Jesse Roach took Robert Suarez, and Shelley takes Dustin May. Um, Itch, do you have any thoughts on, on those guys or any just kind of closing thoughts on um, – this league, or, or how how the thing unfolded, and where where your team's at. Well, if the Arcia pick happens earlier, I do something else to get a middle infielder. It's one of the sort of quirks of this league that he takes really late in the draft my shortstop or my middle infielder, and so now right. I head into the next thing. And I, I would love I, I probably would have taken Crawford if I'd have foreseen, and maybe I should have. That's part of the board game aspect of it. Is I. I should have maybe foreseen that somebody might take Garcia and take Crawford at 110 and tried to get a different pitcher at 310 or, or 210 and 310, whatever. And I, I, I really like Crawford this year. And so afterward, I was sort of thinking I look better with Crawford at middle infield and somebody at pitcher, you know, whoever's there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. You can't, you know. You can't plan for every contingency. You just have to sort of roll the dice. That is a brutal, brutal uh, way for it to play out, though, where you none of your guys get taken, and then pick thirty six and pick thirty nine, you get <laughs> closed out, and that's after you're done picking. Um, yeah. So sucks. yeah, those those breaks. Um, yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> what about you, Chris? You got any uh, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just think that you know. Uh, highly recommend people look into the structure of the league and try to replicate it as you guys have talked about. It is hopefully we try to make it not too much insider baseball, but it is the, the, the league rules are really quirky. And to, 
to Nick's point, like, I mean, you, you, I got lucky. I got Brooks Lee and Connor Norby taken guys that are not on my major league roster. I'm not counting on them this year. Um, I'm actually not even super high on Lee and Norby. I won't be high unless he gets traded. So um, it was one of those situations where, you can uh, just the complexity. I think the board game analogy is a really good one. It's like you're you're playing, you know, you know, uh, some very complex board game that I don't play. It's certainly not. I don't think it's not chess. It's, it's certainly not checkers. It's not even chess. It's something more complicated. So, um, but I think that I would encourage everyone to like take a look at the league. Everybody in this league is a super nice person. If you like, reach out to us. Ask like, hey, you know, how did you set it up? How does this work? What are the rules? The idea, I think, behind this league was to introduce a new quirk to the Dynasty game, which is my favorite kind of game, but it can get stale to your point, James, and there can be months of inactivity. And this is the most active Dynasty league I've ever um, been a part of. And so that's those are my general thoughts on it. It's super fun and just happy to be able to be in it. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, feel free to reach out to me or reach out to uh, Jesse or Brad or anyone else in the league, and we'll share the uh, constitution with you. Um, definitely would – if you can find, you know, 20 good friends or just – You can do it with 12. You can do it, you can do it with 12. You can do it with 12. You can do it with 15. Um, yeah. You really just need people that want to be in this type of league. And uh, I think the off-season drafts, are really good for, I mean, I think really what it was, what Brett, the reason Brett came up with these specific rules were because, uh, and I were, I was in some of these leagues with him where just, if you were in a dynasty league, um, a lot of times by like year seven, there's like three teams that have just monster rosters. And there's like eight teams that have no chance of ever climbing out of the gutter. And it just, the league's kind of broken at that point. Um, And so with these rules, it's it's hard for a team to really separate themselves over for for a long you know, period of time, and it's hard for a team to really kind of fall completely out of you know having good players on their roster because of these redistribution drafts and stuff. So, and like the notion of like of like literally, I'm coming down and I'm going, like when James took Kyle Bradish from me, it was just like it's you know it's just like it's fun though. It's like it's it's dramatic. It adds like this element it's of like. Fun. <laughs> but like that's but but it's super com- strategic and interesting and and also fun like this game should be yeah. fun absolutely um uh, that's a good good way to end this one uh really appreciate you guys taking the time uh, this was a lot of fun and uh i'll be back with uh, another episode next week everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 